Our scripture reading this morning is found on page 1092 of the New Testament of the Bibles in front of you. So Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 12 to 26. Last week we began a new series in the book of Acts, and we're continuing that series this morning as we look at the replacement of Judas among the apostles. And here's God's word for us today. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called the field in their language Alcamada, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us beginning from John the Baptist to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barasabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. And may the Lord bless his word to us this morning. As you know, uh, we have a team that have gone out from our church fellowship here into Moldova, and we're just, we have a photograph coming up uh, to show, well, it's quite blurred, isn't it? Um, but... The team have been there almost a, a week nearly. Well, they left um, early last week, Friday, and uh, they're coming back on Tuesday. And so in our prayers for others, we're going to continue praying for them uh, as we promised them and uh, committed to uh, a couple of weeks ago here. Um, they've kept well. The heat is pretty severe at times, but they've been working hard and have been well received by those in Moldova. So let's join together in our prayers for others as we continue to pray uh, for the Moldova team today. Father God, this morning we give you thanks for taking safely the team out to Moldova last week. And we continue to pray for Andrea as she leads the team, for Philip and Anna, for Rachel, for James, 
And we thank you for bringing Heather and Olivia home safely on Friday. And Lord, we give you thanks for what they've been doing over their time there. We give you thanks particularly for Andrea being able to lead a music uh, workshop uh, with social workers who work with traumatized children. We praise you for that, Father. We thank you for the children's camp that they have been involved in, which numbers have fluctuated up and down over the week. But we thank you for those children that have come, that they've been able to share the gospel with them. And we praise you, Father God, for the warm welcome and generous hospitality that the team have received while in Moldova. And we pray particularly for them today as they get the privilege and joy of being with God's people in Moldova and particularly in Golgotha Church. We pray for Philip tonight as he preaches in that place. Help him as he speaks through a translator and may they know the presence of God with them in these days. Lord, we thank you for this team. We thank you for the immense privilege it is for us to be able to pray and bring them in prayer to you. And we pray that you'll continually teach them more of what you are doing across the nations we pray. Father God, we continue to pray for others involved in varieties of camps and teams over this summer. We continue to think with Kenzie in Canada. Father, we think of Emma in Russia as she comes home uh, tomorrow. For Sophie as Port Stewartism begins tomorrow. For Stephen Simpson at the SU Boys Camp in Donegal. For Livy and Olivia as they go to the SU It's Your Move Camp. Lord, bless them. Use them to make Jesus known. And may each mentioned grow in their knowledge and love of you as they serve you in these weeks ahead. May they be amazed and confident again of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to change lives and hearts, we pray. Father God, we pray especially for our parish area. We thank you, Lord, for the many community works and different organizations and agencies that work in this area to help those in need particularly to aid those who are struggling with finances or health issues or education. And we pray for our area that the gospel will be made known, that the good news of Jesus will transform hearts and lives, that they will take them from the bondage of sin and other idols and turn them to the living and true God, we pray. Father, we pray for your restraining power on evil, for you to hold back or even bind up those who would seek to divide and to destroy and even continue to entrap people in sin and idolatry. Lord God, you were teaching us a couple of weeks ago that the city of Thessalonica and its people were changed and the message rang out from them. Lord, do the same again in this area of East Belfast, that your name will be lifted high, revered, honored, and worshiped. Lord, this is our prayer for ourselves and for our area. Lord, would you continue to do a good work in this place, we ask. Father, many of us come this morning with concerns. Many of us come with very thankful hearts for what you've been doing. And in this moment of silence, we bring those moments of rejoicing and those things of concern before your presence today. Father, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, um, we're thinking about waiting. Jesus 
said to his disciples just before he was taken up into heaven. He had been crucified. He had risen from the dead, as we've seen last week. And just before he was taken up into heaven, he said to them, wait until you receive the promise gift of the Father. Wait. Now, I'm not very good at waiting. When I phone up and uh, a person or a machine tells me that my call is very important to them, and then I have this horrendous music going on a reel, I put the phone down and try and get another member of the family to ring for me. I don't like to wait in traffic jams. I don't like to wait, and I'm afraid unchristian thoughts cross my mind when somebody stalls at traffic lights and I have to wait right. Maybe all I'm saying is that I'm a man, I don't know, but I do not like waiting. And this passage is about waiting. Jesus had been taken up, and they were to wait until the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them on the day of Pentecost. That's what the second half of this chapter in uh, Acts chapter 1 is all about. And so we're thinking about how they waited and what they were led to do. Okay, let's go to the text, but before we do that, let's pray. Lord, by your Spirit, you spoke to these disciples through David and his Psalms. So speak to us this morning through Luke and his writing. Spirit of God, open your word. Teach us from it and help us to live the better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you'll see there from uh, the beginning of the passage which we read from verse 12. Jesus had been taken up into heaven from the Mount of Olives and they returned, walked uh, about half a mile, a bit more apparently, from the Mount of Olives, uh, down the hill, very steep, and then up again into Jerusalem. And they went back to the place they were staying. And then we are given a list of the 11 apostles, 12 minus Judas Iscariot. They were there, and verse 14 we read, they all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And they were there to wait. Who were there? The eleven. The women who accompanied them, some of them quite wealthy, and they supported in our Lord, during our Lord's ministry. Uh, they supported uh, them financially. And then Mary 
and Jesus' own brothers. And how did they find their, spend their time? Okay. In, in the, at the very end of Luke's gospel, the very last verse, what does he say? He mentions our Lord being taken up, and then he said, they, that is, the disciples, stayed continually in the temple praising God. And here in this passage in verse 14, what do we read? They all joined together in the upper room. Now, the temptation must have been to scatter. Jesus had been arrested, and when he was arrested, we read that they fled. He was executed. That's what crucifixion was. And they didn't know if their turn was coming, and they might have been tempted to one go here, one go there, in, in the interests of security. But no, they stayed together, and they were daily in the temple praising God, according to the very end of Luke's gospel. They stayed together. And in this passage, we read, yes, they were praising God in the temple, but here we read that they also were praying together. They all joined together constantly in prayer. This wasn't, they weren't meeting together socially, although it had strong social links, but they were meeting together and they were praying. And they were praying with one accord, with one mind all together. Their, their minds were focused on the same things. You know, we've been taught up, we've been brought up and taught to, to pray. And we do pray. But when we face a crisis, when there's illness, when jobs are at stake, when it looks that some of the children are, have problems and we, we are unable to help, we pray and, boy, do we pray. And here, they were up against it. The Lord had been taken from them. Oh, yes, he, he had promised wonderful things, and they were waiting for those, but they were troubled. They were troubled, and they were praying with one accord. Those of us who have had crises in life know something of that kind of prayer, don't we? And what was it they were praying about? Well, let me hold that for a minute. Uh, they were also thinking, trying to sort things out because things hadn't worked the, out the way they had planned. And there was one thing that seemed to be bugging them. And what was that? Well, that was, of all things, Judas Iscariot. It was Judas Iscariot. Now, 
let me ask you a question. I, I don't want you to shout out, uh, I'm not B. Uh, uh, th this question, when did you last hear a sermon on Judas Iscariot? Yeah, uh, like me, my guess is you can't remember, right? Well, uh, brace yourselves, you're going to get one now. And that's why? Because here it is in the Scriptures. Verse 15 and following, let's read. In those days, they were praying, they were constantly together, but, but there was, as we read later, about a hundred and uh, 120 of them, so it really was close fellowship in this upper room. And then Peter stands, and what does he say? He says this, verse 16. Brothers, the Scriptures had to be fulfilled, uh, verse 16, uh, that, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning... Judas, concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was the one who had led the authorities to Jesus. They remembered that very well. They were shocked, stunned, terrified, and they had fled he was the one who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. And then immediately he follows verse 17. He was one of our number. Now that's what they couldn't get their head around. How could that have been? How could that have been? He was one of our number. When Jesus, they thought, when up to three years ago, when Jesus called us to follow him, and we responded, Judas was one of our number. When he appointed the twelve, eleven of us are here, and Judas made the twelfth. He was one of our number. When Jesus sent us out two by two to tell the good news of the kingdom, Judas was one of our number. When we needed someone to, to administer our, our finances, Judas was the one of our number. And when in the upper room, our Lord had broken bread, had taken wine, had said, this is my body, this is my blood. Judas was one of our number. They simply couldn't figure out how that could be. That's what they were pondering about. And then Peter comes up with the answer. What does he say? He says this, verse 15, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. And the had to be is very strong. You might translate it. It had to be that the scriptures 
were fulfilled. And the Scriptures? Well, notice how he describes it. The Scriptures, what were they? They were the Holy Spirit long ago speaking through the mouth of David. Now, we're reading and studying the Psalms in the evening, and we will find help there. We have in the first three studies, and I'm sure we will continue to because God is faithful if we listen. But he's saying, look, years ago, centuries ago, the Holy Spirit used David words recorded in the Scriptures to tell us about Judas. And that was a big revelation to them. And what the Scriptures say had to be fulfilled. The Psalms, we use them for praise, we use them for prayer, and sometimes the Spirit uses them for prophecy. And he quotes a a psalm. Verse 20. May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. That scripture had to be fulfilled. And that's why... That's why we can see that Judas' awful final end is being fulfilled, was predicted. The the Lord didn't make Judas do what he did because then he wouldn't have been guilty. Judas chose to do what he did and betray the Lord, but the Lord, the Almighty, the Holy Spirit knew that it was going to happen, predicted it, and it had to be fulfilled. Now, what's that say to us? Well, it tells us something about the Scriptures. It tells us something about the confidence we should have in the Scriptures. It tells us about the authority of the Scriptures and how when God speaks, we are to be responsive, to learn, and indeed to obey. But it tells us something else. We had a moment of silent prayer just before this sermon. We had a moment of silent prayer when we were bringing our concerns and the concerns of the other to the Lord. And sometimes when you're going through crises, you can doubt whether he really is in control, whether he really knows, whether he really cares Because why does he allow this to happen? Well, that's a difficult question, and there are no easy answers. But what we are assured, the one who had the Scriptures written, his word is final, and his authority is immense. The scriptures had to be fulfilled. That was the first thing that uh, this passage teaches us. And the second thing, well, this sermon just has two parts this morning. Not very common for me 
But there we are, just two parts in this sermon. Looking back and thinking about Judas, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. But now, looking forward, uh, Peter quotes another scripture. There you get it, another psalm. There you get it in verse 20. May another take his place. What he was saying is, we've got to find a replacement for Judas. We've got to find a replacement for Judas. Now, this particular part raises a a number of uh, issues, but let me leave those uh, aside for a moment and deal with them when we see, how, first of all, how they dealt with this issue. What did they do? They felt that the twelve had to be twelve, and it was only now eleven. So a twelfth had to be appointed. We'll think about why in a moment. So what did they do? Well, let's look 21 and following, because it gives us some insight into how we should select people. They said, well, what are the qualifications for someone to be one of the twelve? Okay, therefore it's necessary, verse 21, Peter is still talking, to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus lived among us, went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. Okay, it has to be someone who has been a follower of Jesus from the very beginning right until now. Okay, that's the first thing. And uh, with those criteria, they talked, prayed, considered, and examined, and they drew up two names. Verse 23. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, known as Justice, and Matthias. People who men who had been followers of the Lord from the very beginning right up to the crucifixion, who had been witnesses of the resurrection, one of those groups that Jesus appeared to and showed himself alive. That was, the, if you like, the pool. And from that pool, they to- chose two men. Who were they? Uh, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. And then what did they do? They had these two men, and we read that they cast lots. That's very strange. But before they cast lots, what did they do? They prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. You know everybody exactly how they are. Uh, So we want you to show us which of these two should take 
the 12th place, the 12th apostle, to take over this apostolic ministry. And then they probably got out a bag or some kind of vessel and put in it two stones, one with the name of <clears throat> Joseph and the other with the name of Matthias. And I don't know whether they pulled one out or juggled it around until one fell out, but some way or other, a stone came out, and that was the one they chose. Now, there, there isn't very much that is, strictly speaking, forbidden in Presbyterian church halls. There, there are things if you do, you'll soon uh, be frog-marched out. But uh, there isn't much that is actually written down that we are not allowed to do. One of the, the few in that short list is what? Anything to do with gambling or games of chance. Did you know that? Oh, I, there was a, something or other here oh, towards the beginning of my time, but eight or nine years ago, and uh, it was, uh, oh, uh, guessing something out of a bottle, or I can't remember, and uh, somebody said to me, do you see what they're doing over there? And I said, no, I'm blind. Uh, <laughs> because strictly speaking, it's not allowed. We are not big into games of chance, and we do not take money from the lottery fund. Why? Because it's a game of chance. Now, let's not get into all of that. But here we have a person being chosen by lot. Now, how can that be? Difficult one, isn't it? Well, let's remember that they considered God was in control, and throughout the Old Testament, many decisions were taken by Lot. They prayed, and God revealed himself by Lot. That was how the, the, the different parcels of land were allocated, were allotted. Allotted? Allotted means given by Lot. It were allocated. It, the 12 tribes got the di different parts of the, uh, the promised land. That's how people uh, get an allotment. It's allocated. Okay? So God used the lot to reveal his will, and his will was revealed in that way here, and then in the next chapter, when the Holy Spirit comes, the lot is never used again. Okay? That's one of the issues. The other issue is this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why did the twelve have to be replaced? Why did the twelve have to be replaced? Why did there need to be twelve? And that's probably because for the Jews and to evangelize the Jews, 
you had to make clear that Christianity was the people of God and the 12 tribes were being superseded by 12 apostles. And for that reason, they had to keep the number at 12. For Gentiles, this wasn't important. And for Paul, uh, this wasn't important. But it was for Jewish evangelism. Okay. Well, what does that say to us? What does that say to us? What does that say to us today? Let me repeat. One, this passage tells us something about the Scriptures. God speaks through it. God speaks to our need. God gives us directions, encouragement, and leadership through the Scriptures. Do you believe it? I say I do. Probably you do too. But sometimes, sometimes we wobble. This is to confirm our faith. And secondly, God is in control. Judas did not, by his act of treachery and betrayal, he did not frustrate the purposes of God, they were predicted and the scriptures had to be fulfilled. My brother and sister, let's go away with that this morning. Let's go away with that. And we all fall short of the Lord. Judas fell into a unique category, and he faced the consequences, terrible ones. We, turning to the Lord, asking for forgiveness, will receive it if we genuinely seek, receive his forgiveness, receive new life, new light, new help, new power. Glory be to his name. Let us pray. O oh Lord, <clears throat> not all of your word is immediately apparent to us. Not all seems to be directly relevant to our situation and circumstances. But you speak through all the scriptures. All of it is profitable. So let us go home this morning. Let us go home with a, a stronger confidence in your word, in a deeper faith in your son, and in a stronger love for one another as we seek to reflect and mirror his love for us. So hear us in his precious name. Amen.